So this morning, uh, I'm interrupting the series on the book of Acts because it's Father's Day. And just like I chose Mother's Day to bring a Mother's Day message, uh, because it's not typically what you do. I just wanted to keep things a little bit uh, from being routine. So I'm going to come to a message uh, from the Gospel of Luke. So I want to invite you to Luke chapter 15, and uh, verse 11 is where we'll begin. So you can uh, return there or listen well or watch. Uh, I'm sure Scripture will be projected for you uh, today. This is probably one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. Uh, we talk about the the, the prodigal son, although the word prodigal is never used in this portion of scripture, uh, but it's the one that usually becomes a descriptor for this particular son. In Luke 15, Jesus is talking about three lost things, if you will. He's talking about a lost sheep. He's talking about a lost coin. And really, he's talking about a lost son. And um, we'll, we'll look at that particular portion uh, this morning, Luke 15, beginning at verse 11. So the context of this is Jesus has asked a question, the tax collectors, chapter 15, verse 1, and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the religious folks, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Uh, he's connecting with the wrong people, and uh, it's not happy time for them. So Jesus then begins to tell parables. He's a great, great storyteller. That was the thing probably people loved most about him. I find it interesting that in uh, we, we've been focusing on Africa. Uh, <clears throat> we have good friends who are in uh, Burkina Faso, and uh, among the African uh, mission sites that we have there, there is a real emphasis on what they call orality training so that uh, teachers are, are, individuals are taught the, 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 the skills of being a good storyteller. Everybody loves a story. And when you're able to tell a story well, it becomes engaging. And so orality learning, because literacy is uh, an issue there in many of those spots, Orality learning is, is a key piece. So Jesus loved to tell these parables, and this is one of them. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and ne'er squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father 
saw him and was filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called out, or called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill a fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's probably not a more powerful story that Jesus tells about the, the, the capacity of love of an earthly father that is no doubt reflective of capacity of the heavenly father to show love toward uh, sons that sometimes don't always make the best decisions. Um, without question, there's a huge need in our day for dads to be great dads, um, of whom positive things can be said and the impact of their life upon ours can be felt. Uh, this particular scripture talks about qualities of an earthly father that mirror, I believe, the heart of God. And, and so much of the music we've used today talked about the goodness of God and the heart of the father. And that's, that's just much more, much more helpful things to reinforce his love to us today as we gather here. So, um, but let's pause for prayer before we get into the heart of, of this message. So, <clears throat> We pause on this day, our Heavenly Father, to remind ourselves of the impact and influence of an earthly father to us. We've, we've had descriptions, characterizations made of those earthly fathers by this group of folks gathered here. And we thank you for all the, the positive things that uh, we can gather from them. We understand that uh, they are imperfect people just because we are imperfect people. And they didn't always get it right. But we are so grateful that we have some positive models to follow after, and we choose to hold on to that which is good 
And we bless those earthly fathers for the good things that they gave to us and shared with us, contributed to us, even amidst those imperfections. So we ask this morning that you'll help us to be grateful for what we have been given and at the same time help us to be dependent upon you to enable us to be all we need to be as earthly fathers reflecting the Father's heart. We will thank you for what you'll do. We'll give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There are probably a number of descriptions uh, that I could give of this story, um, but I'm, I'm going to just pick three words that describe what I think is the heart of, of a father. And uh, I, I'm not here to defend the wisdom of, of this earthly father. Uh, I mean, if if my son <laughs> if my son came to me and said, "Dad," I want my portion of the inheritance, um, which is essentially saying, I wish you were dead. That's <laughs> another way of saying it. It really is all it is, because that doesn't normally transpire until after you're gone. Um, so, so after that wonderful compliment, then he says, I want my money. Uh, if, if, if my son were to do that, I, I would probably just give him this blank look and say, son, my goal in life is to spend up everything I can on now so that when we get to the end, we are at zero set. So now I'll be glad to give you your zero set right now. I, I don't know if I would say that. I, I wouldn't expect my son to do that. Anyways, but, but it's, it's almost uh, incredible that a son would do that. But that's the story, and we're not here to comment on the wisdom of this father's decision. But let me give you some descriptors that I think are are accurate of this earthly father. This father, first of all, the heart of the father is a giving heart, a giving heart. Um, what what do you give to your children? I mean, there are all kinds of things that over the course of time, once we have these children in our possession, what uh, are the things that we give to them? Sometimes we tend to think about more the material kinds of things than perhaps the, the spiritual kind of things. So we think about providing for them every opportunity for uh, a good home and good education and uh, help them get established in livelihoods that are going to benefit them. Um, we tend to think in terms of tangible things. You know, when when I graduated from uh, high school, my dad uh, bought me a car. Well, it was a 1956 Ford that at that point in time was 10 years old. But but that was fine. I was thrilled, you know, stick shift. It was cool, you know, just black and white, classic kind of thing, you know, I, but I, I didn't, you know, I thought that was a nice graduation gift. So I ran that for a few years until it died. So not very long life on that particular car. But, it, but at any rate, you, you tend to think, of, okay, that's a nice gift. I mean, 
there are all kinds of kinds of gifts that people receive from earthly fathers over the course of time. But some of the gifts that we can best give, not necessarily the tangible things. And sometimes we forget the importance and impact of that. Let me give you three. First is the giving of time. Time is the one thing in one sense that doesn't cost you anything dollars and cent wise. But it's the, it's the thing that more often than not our kids really want is just time. Time spent with them. And so while perhaps for many here, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the horse is already out of the barn, you know, and you've, you've already had the chance to invest. Now you might be looking at investing in grandchildren. Or uh, for those who, with the, with the little people around, you, you still have the opportunity to speak into their lives. Give them the gift of time. It doesn't have to be huge blocks. Sometimes you need to be little mini blocks of time that you give uh, to them where you give them the undivided attention. And I realize that with the demands that many times are placed upon fathers to be providers for their family, there can be long hours at work, and so time is a valuable commodity, but time is an indispensable commodity when it comes to giving them, giving that to your children. And uh, I'm, I'm past the season of raising children, and now I'm into the grandkids scene, and so sometimes it, it becomes the opportunity to spend time with grandkids along the way. You have to contextualize it for you, wherever that lies, but find that place where you can give, as a father's heart, uh, a gift of time. It, it will become a priceless gift. Okay. The giving of counsel is another one I'd like to suggest, and, and, and the advice. Now, now, this father in the parable could have said, Son, let me, sit down here. Let me talk to you a minute. If, you, if I give you what you're asking for now, uh, 10 to 1 odd, you're going to go out and you're going to blow it because you don't have the maturity that you need to be able to handle those resources responsibly. And so he probably could have sit down with the son. And whether in the story, the son was just so bent on what he was doing that he was going to have it his way or, or no other way. Uh, the father could have sat him down and tried to give him counsel. Whether or not he would have listened to it or not is another issue. Just like you, in time that you spend with your children, you give them your counsel. You give them, hopefully, godly wisdom. Sometimes they listen. Sometimes they don't. It's not your responsibility for their response. It's your responsibility to give the counsel. So look for the opportunities. Take the time, make the time to speak into the lives of children, grandchildren, with words of counsel, godly counsel, godly wisdom. But give that to them. And I realize sometimes you can give your opinion when, when it wasn't asked for. And that gets to be kind of a meddling kind of thing. And so that's a tightrope you walk on. But, but the issue is, uh, if God is prompting something in your heart as a word for children or grandchildren, uh, don't be bashful about speaking that word. Okay? Uh, because we are given the opportunity to impact and influence those who are 
around us. And the giving heart, a giving heart, not a selfish heart, a giving heart, is the descriptor here of this earthly father. There's also, I think, the opportunity to give of resources. Now, that can involve material stuff. Sometimes, sometimes your kids can get in a real jam, and, and so you want to help them. You want to help them, but not enable them. Okay? So there's the, there's the balance. There's the tightrope there. Sometimes churches get into trouble with this. There's a book that came out a while back now that I recall. It's called When Helping Hurts. And it's filled with benevolence kinds of ministries. How that when, if a church becomes like a, like the Big Daddy or the Mac machine that just kind of keeps pumping out and helping people in need. And they, and rather than doing something for themselves, they just become dependent. It's, it's like a welfare system that our society gets to be very comfortable with and, uh, and it, it ends up keeping them from taking the actions and responsibility that they need to take for themselves. Now, helping people in need, valuable, important thing to do. The description, uh, quality characteristic of, of compassion. We heard that word earlier. But sometimes just giving them dollars or cents or a this or that is not the thing that's most needed. But the giving heart of the Father is sensitive to that need as well. <clears throat> um, and I, I, I suppose I could probably illustrate, I could illustrate, you could probably illustrate too, contexts or stories in which you you did something to help somebody and it was and it was it was costly to you even though they did not realize what it cost or how costly it was how much it hurt maybe to give something but you chose to do it because you're reflecting the heart of the father the description here uh, verse 12 says when the son, when the son comes to him he says so he divided unto them, he divided his property between them. I, I, whenever I read this story, I just can't get away from King James. He divided unto them his living, you know. I, I just can't, can't get away from the language of that in my head. And he divided his property between them. Now, as the younger son, he would have been entitled to one-third, although it probably would have been less than a third, because the older son would have had two-thirds. But then if there were other siblings along the way, other, other children, whatever, they would have gotten, like, if it was the gals in the, in the family, they probably would have been some dowry money reserved and all, all kinds of stuff. But the point is this. Here's the description of the heart of the father is giving father. So here's, so here's the challenge for you today. Put it where you are. What are the ways in which you are giving to those people for whom you are responsible? Uh, children, grandchildren, whatever it may be, is is your heart a giving heart, or is it that is not? Is it a stingy heart? Is it a self-centered heart? You find out where you're at, and I know that none of us like to think of ourselves as stingy or self-serving or selfish, but that is that is oftentimes a description of people around us, and ought not to be characteristic of us in understanding the heart of the Father. Second description, the heart of the Father is a watching heart. I love this part uh, in verse 20, if you, if you read down through the story. It says, uh, 
So he got up, the son gets up and goes to his father. He's rehearsed his speech. He knows what he's going to say. He finally chooses, gets, get, I guess he was at the bottom. Sometimes you have to get to the bottom to, to, before you begin to make a course change and a redirection. He does that apparently. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. It's a description of the watching heart of the father. Uh, he's watching. Let me give you three words of description of, of the way in which he watches. First of all, with expectation. We don't know how, how a long period of time. We know it was long enough for him to blow his wad. And we know it was long enough that he, he got to the end of himself, realized the foolishness of his decision, and finally comes to his senses and decides to return back to the father. We don't know what the father was doing. We would presume that life goes on, but there's something that doesn't go on here, and that is the father doesn't give up. The father doesn't quit on the son that is prodigal. Now, he could have, he, he probably could if it was the older brother, he wouldn't be watching. He, he'd be saying, you, Dad, you are a fool for doing that. You can't expect you're going to get anything back. It's just not realistic that you're ever going to see him again. He's gone. But he watches with a sense of expectation. A long way off, his father saw him. I, 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 I tried to visualize this. You know, if it was my son and he would blown, I'd be watching for caller ID. You know, I'd watch for some indicator that, you know, He's trying to make his way back home because the heart of the father, if it's a giving heart, is always wanting the best for that son or that child. Here is the sense of expectation. I realize that maybe this may not have been in the natural, the best decision to give to the son because you knew it was going to happen. It's like, like you knew the way it was going to work out. But he was choosing to do that. That's a quality. But, he, but he's watching to see when things turn, when things change. If you've never had a prodigal, this may not help you. But if you've had a prodigal, this is very relevant. Have you ever had a son or daughter who's kind of wandered away from God? They may not have gotten the family inheritance, maybe they're wandering away from God in some other way. Um, that's why we pray for our families. That's why we, that's, you know, we, we sit down usually in, in the evening and we'll read something. I, I love Mission 119 by John Soper. It's just very practical. Through the Bible in the course of a year, it just, it's just very helpful stuff. But then, but then we'll, uh, then we'll, we'll sit down and then we'll just begin to pray for Family. Usually I have to kick the dog out of the way. The dog parks next to me, and Barb's sitting there, and I'm sitting here, and then we listen, we read, and commentary, and all that kind of thing. And then she gets up and comes over, and the dog has to move or else gets squashed. So far, the dog's moved. Uh, but, but, and then we begin to just kind of pray over family. That's why I continue to do that. Now, that's nothing magical. That's not saying there's any virtue necessarily in that, but, but only to say our, our kids, your kids, need prayer. Not because they're bad kids, but because they're kids. Yeah, it's the nature of the critter. 
And so they need wisdom, they need direction, they need counsel, all those pieces. Even when they grow up past adolescence into adulthood, sometimes grown-ups uh, make dumb decisions. <laughs> and sometimes it gets them into trouble. But you, you choose to invest in them by watching, watching the heart expectation. You long for something better. If, if I had a prodigal in the family, I would, I would be watching for ways in which I would hope that I might see some movement back. Maybe to me, but certainly to God at very least. So that, uh, so that those things, those prayers that you've poured out on behalf of family uh, will, will find their answer in a movement back to the Father God, watching with expectation, watching with compassion, another word. Uh, and that was a characteristic of the older brother. And there was no loss there for sure. But the compassion of the Father's heart is very evident in terms of the way that he responds. While he's a far, long way off, he goes and he, he runs after him. Uh, that's quite a reunion that you can picture, but it's, it's an act, again, of the watching heart of the Father with compassion. I suppose until we are put in a box in the grave as earthly fathers, will always be watching, always be watching out for our children and our grandchildren and their spouses. Um, because the heart of the Father is a giving heart, but it's a watching heart that longs to see God at work in them, watching with compassion, watching with affection. I know that in our day, sometimes... Uh, Real men don't cry, you know. You know, we, we, we just buck it up, you know. We just tough it up. We we be we be strong, okay, and and don't show any emotion. But that's not the picture here. Here's a guy who who wore his heart very much close to the surface and and was able to express that heart. And I, I, I mean, the language of it just he 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 ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Now, I think he was Italian, but I'm not sure. Okay. It might not have been German. German. Hi, son. How are you? You know, I, 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 I'm overstating the case and now I've made enemies among the German people. So anyway, but, but it, typically we, some people are a little bit more warm-blooded, hot-blooded kind of thing, very expressive, and a kiss and a hug, and then a, a kiss on this side, that side, any old side you can work on. But, but that can be, that can be a, a response. But the expression of affection is, is a good thing. I don't know how you're doing on that, whether you find it easy or hard to give a hug, you know, some people, some people are, are conservative huggers, and so they, they pull back inside and do this. Some people just step right in and just squeeze real tight, you know. But there's an expression of affection, and the watching heart looks for a time, looks for those times when they can give those positive touches.
touches to family, children, grandchildren, whatever it may be. Um, so th- the watching heart. So uh, uh, I'm finding as I grow older, I'm watching my grand. I'm picking on grandchildren, and it, it, it's 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 really strange to have two and a where'd Sammy go? <laughs> two of them out of three here today. But you, you watch them as they grow. Uh, our oldest son, Tim, uh, his children are pretty well grown now. The youngest uh, graduated from uh, Cedarville recently. He's going to start a new job. And in the month of July, uh, he's going to get married. And so you stop and think back about these little pictures, these little guys and little cute little faces, you know. And, and then they've grown up and different kind of And now Ben is like this tall. Well, this tall anyways. And Brad is this tall. And so they've, they've just kind of grown up, and we've watched them grow. It would be wonderful to, to be with them more often than we have been able to, but the point is you, you, watch, you watch them. That's the heart of a father, watches. And so as you pray over your children and you watch them grow, you say, you say oh, God, you know the, you know the, you know the, the characteristics of each one of these kids, they're all so very different. I've got a dozen, and they're all different. They're wired different. They respond differently. There are some similarities, but they're, they're all they're uniquely themselves. And so now we have one in our, our, one of our daughters, daughter just graduated from high school, will head off to Penn State in the fall. And you think, oh my gosh, how did that happen so quickly? But it's amazing how quickly. So... Remember quality of heart, giving heart, but watching heart. Watch for those. Watch for those teachable moments in the lives of those people that God has given to you to influence. Now, you have to find a context for this because if you're here today and you're female, you're not a dad, in theory, anyways. Uh, you know, but but there can be these qualities. You're going to have to just find a place to plug them in. Okay. So you, you contextualize it from that side. So how are you doing in terms of your giving heart, and what are you doing in terms of watching? I can envision, I, I can envision Amber in, in the teaching setting at school watching these, these fourth grade, fifth grade, fourth grade, fourth grade, fourth grade people. And then in the course of time, maybe X number of years later, come back and, and see how they have developed. What, what's gone on? You know how they've become something or other. You know they've they've moved to a different direction or moved in a good direction, and you just kind of say, "I had the opportunity to unscrew the lid in that mush and put something good in there and put the lid back on, and and it moved in a good direction." That's almost as Rush Limbaugh-ish, but anyway, be, 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 that's that's a whole other issue. But but you have the opportunity to pour into them, so you speak into the people. That God has given you opportunity to do. In this story, it's it's the father. You have to contextualize how you can show your giving heart, and how you can watch watch them. Um, are you a people watcher? I I I confess that sometimes I just will get in this out of the out of the, in the back in the shadows, not not dark stuff, but 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 but, but just watch people. How they respond, how they respond to one another, what brings them to life. We need to be people who watch, have a watching heart that look to see what are the things that bring people to life and then be able to 
speak into them and encourage them at that point. Finally, one, one, one final descriptor here in the heart of the Father is a rejoicing heart. And I was always good that rejoicing can come because sometimes there's just a lot of heartache that comes along the way. But when you see one thing, because you've been giving, because you've been watching, it gives you reason to rejoice. And so here's the story in verses 22 to 24. Your father said to the servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it, let it have a, have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine is dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Hopefully, God will enable you to rejoice and celebrate in the journey for your children, grandchildren, or those people over whom you have influence and impact. And there are two directions with that uh, rejoicing heart. First is rejoicing in lessons learned. Sometimes it's hard for us to wait until God has taught the lesson to somebody. We, we, want, we want to help God out. Now, son, I told you when you, you know, we want to go that route. And sometimes it's hard for us to be perseverant, there's a word, or patient with our children or grandchildren until God is the one who helps them get it. And when that get it moment occurs, when they suddenly realize, ah, that's what it is. Oh, that's what it means. Then we get to rejoice. We get to rejoice in lessons that are learned. One of the challenges of parenthood these days, and they talk about sometimes what we refer to as helicopter parents in our day, so that they are there to protect the children from any kind of crash landings, any kind of bumps along the way that, that, that cause them to be discouraged or wounded or hurt or whatever. I want to tell you that while there's always the heart of a parent to watch out for their children, whenever you begin to separate actions from consequences, you get into trouble. You've got to have those things locked together. So a person needs to understand that if I choose to go out and stand in the middle of, well, the middle might be the safer place, one lane or the other, Old River Road up. If I choose to stand out there, the possibility exists that I could be damaged or hurt or something else along the way. And, and so and so now, the, the, obviously, the parent doesn't say, I just go stand out there and take your chances. You know, it doesn't, they, don't, they don't go that route. But they say, if you do this, this will happen. If you steal this, this is what can happen. If you lie about this, this is what can happen. And if in our parenting paradigm. We want to prevent or preclude people from experiencing the consequences of action that only delays the learning. It only delays the lessons learned. So the rejoicing heart has given counsel and instruction has said, if you do this, this is what can happen. But your choice. But, but you know, rejoice when the lessons are learned along the way and they get it. Rejoice also in the son's return. Um, it was several years ago now, years ago now, and I think it was in a pastoral uh, pastoral setting, uh, a group of pastors gathered together, when someone asked the question, how many of you here have a son or a daughter who is away from God? 
they're on a journey. And it was amazing the number of people. You would think that, oh, you're growing up in a pastor's home. What a perfect environment. Remember, keep in mind, keep in mind, we're imperfect people along the way. Uh, but sometimes they can, they can wander. And so the heart is there. Um, and they long to rejoice. They long to rejoice when that son or daughter comes home. So sometimes they've had prayer opportunities and you, you keep people before God in terms of prayers so that that son's return. That's the goal. The lost to be found. That which is away from God draws near to God. And it may not be an overnight kind of thing. It might be a process. It might take days or years. But the point is, there comes a point of rejoicing somewhere along the way when the prodigal or that wayward son or that lost son now begins to put his, put his face to the father instead of his back to the father and move and make his way home. So the story today is the parable of the lost son, or someone has described it as the parable of the loving father, and that's legitimate as well as a descriptor because that's the characteristic of the heart of God. So questions this morning are really quite simple. How will you reflect the Father's heart today? How will you do that as you touch the lives of people around you? What quality of heart do you most sense the Lord wants to pour into your life today? Is it in a heart of giving? Is it a matter of watching for them? Hopefully there will become that point of rejoicing where you rejoice even in little things, even little glimpses of movement toward God when they begin to sense his, his call, his direction, his provision, whatever the lessons are that are being learned. I encourage you to be open to receive what the Lord has for you today and welcome his work in your heart to make you the father he longs for you to be. Um, I gave... Uh, I gave Frank a Father's Day present earlier, uh, and it's a book uh, called The Father's Love Letter. Uh, you have that back there, Frank? Hold it up. Okay. Now, see, it's so small nobody can see it, but just trust me, that's what it says. Father's Love Letter. And this morning, what I would like to do is just use an audio piece from that uh, to connect our hearts with the heart of the Father. Because everything that we've said here about the earthly father is really descriptive of the father's love. I mean, can you can you find uh, the heart of God more in any heart more giving than the heart of God? Can you find uh, a characteristic of the Father in heaven as watching? Uh, can you find the heart of the Father rejoicing? Uh, I mean, it's all it's all very reflective that way. So. Here's what I'd like to do as we close this morning. Um, I just want you to reflect on on this reading uh, that we're going to listen to. There are a ton of scriptures that are behind this. As a matter of fact, as you hear the statements read, you will probably bring to mind particular portions of scripture that you say, oh yeah, I know where that came from. I know where that thought came from. But allow that to capture your heart. And... and, uh, a number of years ago, there was a fellow uh, by the name of Jack Frost that, uh, not not the guy in the movie that turns things into icicles, but but it happened to be his name was Jack Frost. Um, and he talked about 
the, the embrace, experiencing the embrace of the Father so that we can sense the love of the Father in a very practical way. We can feel that. And there are people in our world who desperately need to, to sense, experience the embrace of the Father with their imperfections, with their hard spots. So if, I, if, if there was a, a picture I could give to you, it's like I, am, I want you to sit just as if you were focused upon your Heavenly Father and allow Him to speak to you using the words of this audio portion. And then we'll close. Right? Thank you. to experience are true. They will change your life if you let them. For they come from the very heart of God. He loves you. And He is the Father you have been looking for all your life. This is His love letter to you. on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake. For all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you, simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts toward you are countless as the sand on the seashore and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you for you are my treasured possession. 
I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are broken-hearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I'll take away all the pain you have suffered on this earth. I am your Father, and I love you even as I love my Son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my Son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is: Will you be my child? I am waiting for you. Love your dad, Almighty God. So, Father, we understand the truth of your word to us today, and long to experience the embrace of the heavenly Father. So, even now, in the quietness of these moments, would you impart something new and fresh to each one here today, whether they're earthly father or not? They have the capacity. To experience the love of God and express the heart of the Father, as we've seen it in this story. So my prayer is that you would do a deeper work within our hearts, so that we will be able to live with the Father's heart. Thank you for each one who has found their way to this place today. No accidents with you. You've ordained that we would be together today. To encounter you and your word, let us not forget that. Let us continue to walk in the light of your love, and use us in ways that would further radiate the love of God to those about us. Thank you for your presence here. We've entered to worship. We've entered to learn from your word, and now we get to exit to serve you in expressions of your love. So grant that to us, as we have our need. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen, and amen.
Now you be sure you greet one another as you go. And uh, sometime or other today, make sure you give somebody a hug if that's a part of the plan. And if not, then make it a part of the plan. Okay? Bless you. Have a great day.